Facite vobis amicos de mamona iniquitatis, ut cum de feceritis recipiant vos in eterna tabernacula. Make friends for yourselves with the mammon of wickedness, so that when you fail, they may receive you into the everlasting dwellings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Very dear faithful, today, the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, the Gospel passage relates the parable of the cunning steward who is able to imitate his master's kindness to have something for himself. Let us dwell into our Lord's final instruction to us to understand its moral implications. Make friends for yourselves with the mammon of wickedness so that when you fail, they may receive you into the everlasting dwellings. St. Augustine points out that this does not mean that we commit all kinds of sin so that we can produce some good works with it. This is against a fundamental principle of moral theology. Never do evil so that good may come of it. Only God can make good come from evil. For example, obviously we should not steal to give money to the poor or commit an abortion so that we can get on with our lives. Such deeds of injustice are sinful and cannot serve God, who is justice himself. St. Augustine points out the example of Zacchaeus, who upon being converted by our Lord, decided to return fourfold all that he had stolen when he was working as a tax collector. This, then, is the lesson of today's gospel. We are all sinners and we all find ourselves with uncorrected faults even late in our lives. Even if we come to the Lord this late, we can learn to profit from our sins and faults to gain the kingdom of heaven. It is quite certain that in the designs of God, the faults into which he permits us to fall should serve for our sanctification, and that it depends on us to draw this advantage from them. Nevertheless, it happens that our faults themselves do us less harm than does the bad use we make of them. Therefore, we must learn to profit from our faults. There are cowardly souls who use reserve with God and who wish to belong to Him, but only up to a certain point. They commit deliberately and knowingly a thousand faults, from which it is impossible to draw any profit because of their bad dispositions. There are those who are lukewarm in the spiritual life. This homily has nothing to do with them. There are those who have made up their minds, never deliberately and with intention, to commit a single fault, and yet they fall into many faults, in spite of their good resolutions, either on the impulse of the moment or through weakness. They are the ones who have the right dispositions to profit from their faults. We must recognize two things here. It serves us no purpose to be discouraged by our faults. And secondly, our faults can lead us closer to God. In fact, they are the occasions for us to practice virtue. It is important to recognize that our faults should not be reasons or occasions for despair or discouragement. It is quite normal to our fallen nature, but it is still an act of pride and self-love to be astonished at one's faults, to be troubled and ashamed of them, and thus become angry with ourselves 
and fall into discouragement. We may be astonished that we have, should have fallen, but we are quite wrong. It is a sign that we know nothing, whatever, about ourselves. On the contrary, we should be surprised that we do not fall much more often and into much more grievous faults. We must give thanks to God for all the faults from which he preserves us. We are troubled every time we discover some fault in ourselves. We lose our interior peace. We become quite agitated and we occupy ourselves about this fault for hours or even for whole days. St. Francis the Sales teaches us that we must never be troubled. But when we see ourselves on the ground, we must raise ourselves up again quietly, turn to God with love and humility, and ask his pardon. And then we must never think about the fault again until the time comes to accuse ourselves of it in confession. Even if in confession we forget it, there is no occasion to be uneasy. Again, we should not be so ashamed of our faults that we dare not tell them to our confessor. What will he think of me after so many promises and after so many resolutions that I have made in his presence? The doctor of charity assures us that if we declare our faults to him simply and humbly, he will only think the better of us. If we tell them to him with difficulty and reserve, he cannot help taxing us with pride in his mind. His confidence in us will diminish as he sees that we are not sufficiently open with him. The more frankly and openly we accuse ourselves of our faults in confession, the more open we are to the graces of God while, practicing our while placing our faults before his tribunal to be judged. Oftentimes our confession itself can be a source of edification to our confessor, helping him dispose himself to be a channel of God's graces. But the worst of all is this. We are angry with ourselves. As St. Francis de Sales says, we are angry at having been angry. We are impatient at having been impatient. What misery. This is pride, pure and simple. When tested, we are humiliated at finding ourselves less strong and less holy than we thought we were. It is as though we aspire to be exempt from faults and imperfections so that we may take credit for it and be able to congratulate ourselves on having passed a day or a week without having anything to reproach ourselves. Finally, this self-love and anger gives way to discouragement. We give up all our practices of piety, one after the other. We give up prayer. We regard perfection as impossible and we despair of ever attaining it. What is the use, we ask, of restraining ourselves, of watching continually over ourselves, of giving ourselves up to recollection and mortification when we grow no better, when we correct nothing, and we are always falling afresh? This is one of the most subtle snares of the devil. To be preserved from it, we must never be discouraged no matter into how many faults we fall. We must say to ourselves, if I fall 20 times, 100 times a day, I will get up again every time and I will go on my way. What does it matter after all how many times we have fallen on the way if we reach our journey's end 
safely at last. God will not reproach us. Often our very falls come from the speed with which we move forward and because the zeal that pushes us forward does not give us time to take certain precautions. Those timid and overly cautious souls who always wish to see where they are putting their feet, who are always turning out of the way to avoid making a false step, and who are dreadfully afraid of contracting the least stain, will not advance half as fast as the more generous souls. Death often overtakes them before their course is run. It is not those who commit the fewest faults who are the holiest, but those who have the most courage, the most generosity, and the most love, who make the greatest efforts, who are not afraid of stumbling a little, or even of falling and staining themselves a little, provided they always advance. Our Lord says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent bear it away. The graces we have received in baptism are for us to sustain in battle. This conviction will allow us not to be surprised if after many years of living a spiritual life, certain passions which we thought we had subdued forever revive themselves in us. It is true, our faults can lead us closer to God. Further on in today's epistle to the Romans, St. Paul says that all things work together for good to them that love God. Yes, everything is for our good, even our faults, and sometimes even our grave faults. God permits those very faults to cure us of vain presumption, to teach us who we really are and of what we are really capable. St. Augustine tells us that self-knowledge is the first step to sanctity. King David confessed that the adultery and murder of which he was guilty had served to keep him in a continual distrust of himself. It is good for me, he said to God, that thou hast humbled me. I have been more faithful in keeping thy commandments. The fall of St. Peter was for him the most useful of lessons, and the humility with which it inspired him disposed him to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit to become the head of the church and they preserved him from the dangers of so eminent a position. St. Paul, in the great success of his apostate, preserved himself from pride and vainglory by remembering how he had once been a blasphemer and a persecutor of the Church of God. And more than this, a humiliating temptation from which God would not deliver him served as a balance to the sublimity of the revelations granted to him. If God was able to draw such an advantage from even the greatest sins, who can doubt that he will make our daily faults serve for our sanctification? Many masters of the spiritual life have remarked that God often leaves in the most holy souls certain defects from which, despite all their efforts, they cannot free themselves entirely. He wishes to make them feel their own weakness and what they would be without his grace, he wants to hinder them from being proud of the favors he grants them and to dispose them to receive these favors with more humility. In short, his will is to nourish in them a certain disgust with themselves so as to protect them against all the snares of self-love, to animate their fervor 
and keep them in a constant state of watchfulness, of trust in himself and perseverance in prayer. St. Francis de Sales tells us that the child who falls when he has gone a little away from his mother and wishes to walk alone, returns to her with more affection to be cured of the hurt he has given himself. And he learns by that fall to leave her no more. The experience of his own weakness and of the tenderness with which his mother received him makes him love her more than ever. Such should be our relationship with Holy Mother Church. Our faults can be occasions for practicing virtue. The faults that happen to us often give us occasion for great acts of virtue. We certainly would not have had the opportunity of practicing virtue without them. In fact, God allows these faults with that intention. For instance, he permits a flash of ill-natured sarcasm, an act of rudeness, or a lively impatience so that we may at once make an act of humility that abundantly satisfies for our fault and the scandal it may have given. Think about it. The fault was committed on the impulse of the moment, but the act of reparation is made with reflection, with an effort over ourselves, with a full and deliberate will. This is an act that pleases God much more than the fault displeased him. God also makes use of our faults and apparent imperfections to conceal our sanctity from the eyes of others and to procure for us humiliations from them. St. Francis de Sales reminds us often that God is a great and wise master. Let him do as he likes. He will not fail in his work. Let us make up our minds carefully to avoid everything that can displease him the least in the world. But if he should fall into any fault, let us be sorry on his account and not on our own. Let us love the humiliation into which this fault throws us. Let us beg of God to draw from our humiliation his glory. He will do this, and by this means, he will advance us far more than by a life apparently more regular and holy, but which would destroy our self-love less efficaciously. When God asks of us to do certain things, let us never draw back on the pretense of fearing the faults we may commit in executing his wishes. It is better to do good, even with imperfection, than to omit it. Sometimes we do not administer a necessary correction because we are afraid of doing it with too much severity, or we avoid associating with certain persons because their faults try us so much and make us feel so impatient and irritable. But how shall we acquire virtue if we refuse the occasions of practicing it? Is not such an abandonment a greater fault than the faults we fear to fall into? Let us therefore care only to have one intention, and let us go wherever duty calls us, and be sure that God is kind enough and indulgent enough to pardon us all the faults to which his faithful service and the desire of pleasing him may expose us. O Mary, help of Christians, pray for us. Saint Joseph, master of the interior life, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.